escape this mental asylum on this rainy night here in Crystal Lake, New Jersey, I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> we're going to roll up to this graveyard and I'm going to dig him up. I've got to know that Greg's really dead. Oh, I completely agree. How could he have survived after all of those mutilations? Burned, drowned, chopped apart, gangered. What? How could he possibly have survived this? He even had to watch MVP two twice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start digging. Oh, it's Greg, but he's covered in worms. Oh, Yucky. Oh, you know it's so weird that they put, gave him a gravestone without any birth dates or death dates on it. It's very kind of his wife that she didn't get him cremated, although it seems like a weird decision. Yeah, odd of them to bury him with his hockey mask on, but he was a hockey fan in his life. I do remember that about Greg. He was. And you know what? That actually brings me to um, a message I actually received from him. Welcome to Ambush Trivia, the game show where contestants oh, don't know their best play. Oh, Fuck! Shame, you know, I did get a message from Greg beyond uh, the grave. And, uh, Denny, I've got four questions for you. Now, I know sometimes... Uh, I can't believe I just walked into that. I know sometimes these are wrestling-related. Um, being a hockey fan, uh, both Jason and Greg and myself, we thought, what better way to kickstart this podcast than questioning you on some of the most famous hockey masks of all time? Now, I think you—I think these will be a little easier for you than you assume, but there might be a couple struggling ones. So, uh, I believe okay, the okay. rules are: um, there's going to be four questions, and you have to get at least three of them correct to be called a very good Denny. I, I believe. You know, I know I'm coming Denny in. Boy, yeah, I'm very good, Denny boy. I I, I apologize. The seance didn't make it overly clear. Um, so if you can get at least three of these four, you'll be a very good Denny boy. If you don't, um, you may be massacred by Jason alongside Greg, but uh, you will still be a pretty good Denny boy. I'll, okay, I can take care of that. Yeah, all right. So first question, and this is a bit of a uh, an air ball. This will be an easy one for you. This vigilante donned a hockey mask when beating down members of the Foot Clan throughout New York City. Who is this? 
Casey motherfucking Jones, a.k.a. the coolest character in the coolest show. Absolutely. Ninja Turtles. Ding, 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 ding. See, you know, you know more about hockey okay. than you even thought. I, okay, I, I am a pretty big hockey guy, if, if that's the standard. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Alrighty. And so if you do need a hint at any point, I can give you some multiple choice options as okay. well. Um, but question two. Jim Craig's lucky lid featured two shamrocks on either side of the mask and helped him in the U.S. beat the Russians in the 1980 Olympic Games. What was the name of the movie based on this historic sports moment? I only know of one hockey movie. <laughs> okay. Shoot for that one because it's you've got a pretty. Is, good is it? If I know one hockey movie, do I have a good chance of getting it right? Yeah, like, there's only like ten hockey movies total. So, okay. Uh, MVP, most valuable prime. I'm kidding. So close. So close. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, you at least know um, two hockey movies. Yeah, three. Now that I think about it, um, uh, the the other one I know is a uh, slap shot. No, that is incorrect. I'm so sorry. I didn't think it was right. I didn't think it was right. So your your multiple choice answers are Slapshot, that is incorrect, Miracle, or Youngblood. Miracle. Yes. Uh, the ninth... I remember that coming out. I remember that. Exactly. Remember that. It was a pretty famous moment, height of the Cold War, uh, sports saved the day. But I know you're not the biggest sports movie fan, and I understand that. Mm-hmm. So we're going to throw this back in your ring for another famous hockey mask. Question three. Robert De Niro wore an oversized hockey mask while terrorizing Los Angeles in which Michael Mann movie in 1995? I know it's not Escape from L.A. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck. I can throw you a hint. The multiple choices. Throw me a hint. Throw okay. me a hint. Throw me a hint. A, Thief, B, Manhunter, or C, Heat? Those could all be kind of just names for the same movie, so it didn't help you too much. When in doubt, see your way out. I'm going to go with Heat. Oh, you are correct. Yes! <laughs> My, Michael Mann's Heat 2 could possibly be coming out in the next couple of years. So you've got until cool. then to figure out why was Robert De Niro wearing a hockey mask to rob a bank. Until then, we'll never know. All right, question four possibly is the most difficult, but I know you are a DFW kid, and why wouldn't you know all about DFW sports? Question four. The notable Dallas Stars goalie Ed Belfour donned an animalistic mask as he led his team to a Stanley Cup victory in 1999. What was his nickname, which is also the animal featured on his iconic mask? Shot in the dark. Wolverine. (laughs) That is incorrect. Um, Here are your... Here are your three hints, which should give you an idea. Eyed Ed, B. Edward the Leopard, and C. Eddie the Eagle. What was A? Eagle-eyed Ed. 
There's some deductions. There's some deduction that can help you narrow this down. Hold on, repeat the options. Okay. Sorry. Eagle-eyed Ed. The leopard. Eagle-eyed Ed. Ah, you were close. Eddie the Eagle. He was one of the... I thought that was meant to throw me off because it was the more natural-sounding one. I thought I had to go with the weird one. Well, I tried to make it a little clearer. I truly didn't think you would get that one. So that's okay. I I had some hope for for Michael Mann. You know, he's a pretty well-known action director. Uh, Miracle, that's kind of well known, but this was purposely pretty difficult. So you are still a good Denny boy. Unfortunately, not a very good Denny boy. Uh, Greg will be uh, somewhat excited to hear that you didn't fulfill this, um, but he he helped me out with this. So I wanted to give you a little bit of a a loose start to uh, really throw you off your game. It is uh, always humbling to walk into an episode of Ambush Trivia. Always humbling. It's tr- it's, <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. And, you know, I, I have to say I had such a fun episode in our Clusterfuck episode that went on for at least 18 hours um, and knew that if there was a chance you let me back onto this podcast for some reason, I really had to do everything I wanted to do. So I got Ambush Absolutely. Trivia out of the way. I'll try not to talk about Friday the 13th as a whole, as a franchise, for 18 hours, but it will be difficult. So, uh, hey, <laughs> you and me both, brother. I'm glad to have you back on the podcast. Um, Thank you. I guess your fuck feels so I, far, far in the past. I, I miss it. I guess we haven't actually officially said that Greg is not on this and I'm Dylan Derryberry. <laughs> yeah, um, Greg's not here yeah. this week, everyone. <laughs> hey, guys, welcome to Movies for When. That was one of those cool delayed prologues where the title card doesn't happen until after the uh, graveyard ambush trivia. So, man, <laughs> we're we're off to a good start. <laughs> Greg is uh, indisposed this week. Our guest host is Dylan Scaryberry, clusterfuck veteran. Absolutely. Just imagine me walking up a bullet hole like James Bond and slashing Greg out of the picture. It's my show now. <laughs> I'm taking control. He's the man on the podcast. <laughs> and he's out of control. Cheers to that. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers to Alice Cooper. I think... Oh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> Cheers to everything Alice we'll, we'll, Cooper. Absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll get into the Alice Cooper of it all. Um, before we get into what we clearly can't... Uh, <laughs> restrain ourselves from talking about dylan what you been watching lately man anything anything interesting wow um quite a few friday the 13th movies you know it's always a special time of year when we get a friday the 13th it's even more special when it's in october so in the middle of all of our spooky watches that we have to you know got to hit the the trademarks you got to hit all the special ones personally my wife and i do a 31 day list where we try and watch things we haven't seen before but come on i've at least watched just in this the first couple weeks of october part two part three uh, part six obviously jason x and freddy versus jason 
Holy shit. And and not in that order either. I I do think we started with Freddy versus Jason. So I am cluster fucking my way through the holidays. You're, you're my hero. <laughs> I didn't even know you were doing this when I like I should have assumed, but like, I didn't even know you were doing this when I asked you to join this week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know what? Subliminal or subconsciously I'm probably like have just been preparing in case Greg got sick or something for you to invite me on here. It was just like, uh, what, what do they call that in theater? Um, when I, uh, the person who like re- learns all the lines in case the lead has to bow out. The understudy. I'm the yeah. understudy. I'm 100% forced <laughs> myself into the understudy. I may have also taken Greg out myself so I could do this, but who, who am I to say? Man, uh, any any thoughts on uh, on what I assume has got to be the 40th or 50th rewatch of the Friday the 13th franchise? Anything hitting you different this time around? You know, honestly, I pull things every time I watch them. Um, I'm say this in like the nicest way possible. Sometimes I watch them and then immediately forget what happened. So like, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. rewatching them, it's truly not like, oh yeah, this thing. It's like. I completely forgot that this was a, a thing that happened in this movie. So like almost yeah. it's like a brain wipe after every, cause you know, you can't watch just one of them. So I end up watching like eight of these until six o'clock in the morning. And then I'm just in a, a fever dream of what's real, what's not. Um, so yeah, so it's just, it, it's great to be back here, rewatch again, those years where we get like a couple Friday the 13th in the year, I'm pretty much useless the entire year. Um, so <laughs> no, it's, it's been a good time. How about yourself? I assume you haven't watched that many Friday the 13th movies, but you know, I'm sure you've been watching other things. I have, I have, um, you know, Vanessa can only handle, uh, so many old slashers. Yeah. Um, she's, I, when when I when I binge that hard, it's at the expense of time with my partner. And there was a time in my life when that was acceptable to me, but um, we're past that. Um, so honestly, October is usually when I like plow through my niche horror watch list. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try to get everything I've been putting off watched. But uh, this year I've been in a play the classics mood. Um, I've been watching some heavy hitters that uh, I'm just realizing it's been a while, you know, it's been a little while. Absolutely. Um, well, I, and sorry, not to interrupt you. It seemed like, uh, Greg's been in more of a venturesome horror movie, um, uh, vibe lately. So like, it seems like you've been yeah. giving him a lot of like the classics that he needs to watch, which, of course, you know, I love hearing you guys talk about it. So it's it's been a lot of fun, him getting his first reactions to things and you kind of, you know, getting to usher him in a little bit. It's been really nice. My my pitch for uh, for what our Halloween theme was going to be uh, was Greg's Horror Watch List, um, where it would just be movies I wanted to show him and movies he'd always wanted to watch. Um it kind of evolved into this. It ended up taking way more time for me to move um, than we thought I, it would. I get so, that. Um, we, as a with time being a factor, we changed it up. But uh, that's essentially what's happening. Can you believe we had to make that man watch Ghostbusters? Like, <laughs> I mean, it kind of was. I'm always a little surprised by movies he hasn't seen, but some I'm like, okay, you get it. Uh, you know, the kid didn't have cable. What are we expecting from him? But like. <laughs> 
I mean, like... They can't all be Arthur. Yeah, <laughs> truly. But I I would imagine Arthur was on for so many years, they probably parodied Ghostbusters. Like, there's... <laughs> I promise you, Arthur has watched Ghostbusters more times than Greg has. <laughs> you know there's an episode where he's watching it. Yeah, for sure. So it is, It um, and again, based on the episode, it does sound like he not avoided it, but he's heard the every bit of, and trope from the movie that he never really felt urged to need to go see it. Yeah. Um, but act, it's like he actively tried not to see it because I don't know, like, you can't, like, go to, like, middle school and not have watched ghostbusters at some point in your life so i don't know man i just think it's like it's greg's more natural taste in movies he's unlikely to wander into 80s classics on his own yeah when you take him there with you he usually enjoys it but he's gonna wander in a different direction he watches a lot more modern more like (laughs) Greg has better taste than me, I think. It's been, like, the thing that's become incredibly clear the longer we've done this podcast. I'll second that for myself as well. Absolutely. I mean, again, when you don't watch anything for the first, like, 20 years of your life, and you have this floodgate of movies, you're probably going to go off after the good ones first. I totally get that, which is why we have to make him watch Friday the 13th movies, because he ain't getting there (laughs) on his own. Um... I'll go through what I watched quickly, because let's just talk about Friday the 13th. Fuck it. Um, I watched Coraline for the very first time. Cheers, uh, by the way. I, thank you. Yeah. I uh, I really loved it. I, I don't know why I'd put this off so long. I think I just associated it with, like, late 2000s Tim Burton, which is, like, my least favorite Tim Burton. I'd rather watch Dumbo than whatever weird white makeup Johnny Depp project he had coming out that month in 2009. It is. I mean, (laughs) again, I'm sorry to continue to take us down rabbit holes, but Tim Burton is so odd because he's like possibly one of your most liked directors for like the smallest amount of time. And then most disliked directors for maybe a longer amount of time. Um, like, I'm sitting here with a forearm with, like, a Beetlejuice sandworm and Lydia Dietz. I obviously like Tim Burton, but, like, the man... And I do think he was, like, the hottest shit from, like, the late 80s to the early 90s. Uh, basically, Beetlejuice to Ed Wood, I would say. You know, like, yeah. um, he was hot shit, and the man just became a parody of himself. Absolutely. You know, like just an absolute parody. Absolutely. Um, although I do have a little bit of hope for Beetlejuice too. I don't know if you've been following the production at all. He's, Oh, you know, I have for sure, you know but I he's have. just been talking about how he's going back to puppetry and really the basics. I think watching Michael Keaton as the flash in Batman commercials broke him a little bit. <laughs> so he's like, fuck it. I'm going back to the one IP I have. Like, we're going to do this right. So I am tentatively hopeful that Beetlejuice 2 is not a clusterfuck in a not fun way. Yeah. I've, I've seen a couple of uh, leaked production photos. Um, I was, I was very encouraged by the sets. Um, they, they looked very, very uh, right out of the 1986 movie. Like it looked like the town, the Maitlands lived in looks exactly like it's supposed to. Um, Winona Ryder looked exactly like Lydia Dietz did, but not 17, you know, (laughs) like, but same, same bangs did the haircut, did it, you know, like, uh, 
it, it it doesn't seem cheap or sloppy from yeah. what I've seen, which was kind of my biggest fear was that it would be a Ghostbusters afterlife situation where all of a sudden Finn Wolfhard is talking to a CGI Beetlejuice, and I, I just don't need to live to see that. I don't want to see that world. We'll, we'll take you out to faster <laughs> before we get there. <laughs> um, I uh, But no, Coraline kicks ass, even if Tim Burton doesn't always. Coraline is some of the most fantastic stop motion I've seen in my life. And, I, yeah, uh, and ironically, I don't think Tim Burton was involved in Coraline at all, so... That, no, not that, at all. That's, not that's, at a, all. that's a nice rabbit hole I threw us down. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm saying I, I unfairly lumped it in yeah. with his projects because, I mean, it does seem like the kind of thing he would be involved in. Well, but, and again, um, you know, to your point, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas was produced by Tim Burton. Like, it's a, I think Henry, yeah, I, Henry Selleck directed it. So, like, you know, there is an image we associate with him, but a lot of people worked on that. A lot of people who maybe did, you know, get influenced for Coraline. So I can, I can see the mm-hmm. reasoning. Sure. So there's one movie you've watched. I apologize. <laughs> Beautiful. You're good. I watched uh, day of the dead, got to show that to two people who did not want to watch a horror movie. And I got them to compromise okay. um, on this. Cause my house has fucking rules in October. <laughs> I don't know what you expected when you like, I, I what, what did you fucking think was going to happen? Um, I'm sorry. Um, day of the dead is, uh, easily in my top five zombie movies uh i forgot just how over the top and fun the gore is i forgot that uh tom savini did the effects Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and it's it's some of his finest work um day of the dead has got to be my pick for like most underrated zombie movie um it's so good well and i think it's such an oversaturated market like you know what whatever your thoughts on the walking dead are like i think zombies are so worn out now that you do forget how well they can be done so going back to the basics and you know seeing romero do his thing like yeah it's (laughs) there's a reason it's a classic yeah absolutely um and i watched trick-or-treat but uh i think greg and i did a whole episode on that one so i'll just be brief and say of course i like it that that's one i've kind of got to see every year yeah i kind of need it every year for halloween absolutely i mean it's just the um, the environment that you want from one of these types of movies. Yes. I've, I've been watching a bunch of the Halloween movies, um, mm-hmm. like, you know, the Michael Myers movies, uh, which I'm not mm-hmm. as hot on as I am uh, Friday the 13th movies, ironically, because I love the setting of Halloween for those. Um, but some of my favorite parts, like I just watched uh, uh, part four, and some of my favorite parts are just like kids in costume shops. Like it just, it sets this environment. Like I don't necessarily love Hocus Pocus, but I love the environment of seeing, you know, a bunch of people celebrating Halloween. Again, keeping Hocus Pocus talk to a minimum, whatever party all those parents (laughs) got to go to on Halloween night and ditch their kids. I need to know where that's at. It's possibly a swingers party. That's not my bag, but like, that's the coolest motherfucking thing in the world for a 33-year-old Halloween dad. <laughs> you notice different things when you watch these movies. Oh, yes, world, don't yes, you? yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> Bro, I think we have, like, all of the exact same takes. Like, this is just going to be, like, us yes-anding each other yeah. for an entire podcast, I think. Because well, well, luckily, luckily that means it's speedy, us. right? And we won't spend an hour yeah. and a half just getting ready to talk about Friday the 13th. <laughs> Oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know what? There's been enough adieu. Um, let's 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 just talk about Friday the Thirteenth. Let's start or part six. Jason lives. Audience selection available on Max. Am I correct? Yes, Max? yes, it is, is on Max. Yes, I think yes, they Max all are. Is, um, except not Jason X. I had to watch Jason X on AMC, like uh, Greg did. But for some reason, it was uh, it was like not edited. So you know, at least I got to see like. Yeah. Some robot nipples and some slashed heads. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just not the same without the nipples. Listen up, Turner Classic Movies. Um, exactly. Um, stop right. taking the nipples out of our movies. <laughs> so I know you've given like your background with Friday the 13th a handful of times at this point. Is there any particular aspect of Jason Lives that maybe a first time watch or a first realization that you connected with? Um, not really. Um, honestly, um, it's, it's, it's so like, I I connected with it more this time than any other time that I've watched it. Actually, I would say, um, I, I, I think my relationship with it, I guess the most significant thing you could say other than I've been watching Friday the 13th so long, I don't know when I saw what I, I think in like 2018, I was like, I'm just going to make sure I've seen them all, you know, like yeah. sat down and yeah. watched everything. Yeah. Um, but, um, but, uh, this time it, uh, replaced part four as my favorite Friday the 13th movie. Wow. That, that's a proclamation. I, so I, yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Um, I just to, again, because I'm hijacking the show, um, to tell yeah. all my stories, um, I, I, and again, I've probably told you this story at various points in our friendship, but I famously really did not like horror movies growing up. Like I loved Halloween, but was super afraid of like everything. Like my family famously makes fun of, well, my family famously makes fun of me because I ran out of a screening of Starship Troopers, uh, screaming and my younger brother and dad like stayed and watched it. And I went and watched, uh, that Rocket Man movie, not the Elton John biopic. Um, so I know exactly what yeah, you're talking about. And, and I remember it wasn't me. Well, and so I, I that movie got out earlier than Starship Troopers, so I just sat outside. And this cop came up to me and was like, "Hey, what are you doing, man?" I'm like, "My dad's in there." And he goes, "Did he leave you?" <laughs> um, <laughs> and so my my family makes fun of me all the time for that. Um, and so like it, I hit a certain point, I, I'm sure it's 12, 11, 13, but I was like, I have to get over this. Like, I can't be afraid of things. Like I have to do something to shake myself out of this. And again, weird reference after weird reference. Do you remember a Disney channel show called the Jersey? Yes. <laughs> Yes, it had it had a uh, wrestling episode. Okay, so the the thought of this show is you put on this old retro jersey and you wind up in like a professional athlete's you know life yeah. and whatever. There was a Halloween episode of that where they did a party and it was kind of a, like a, you know a, a slasher light type thing that like Boy Meets World did a couple like that you know, um, mm-hmm. and so. In that, one of the characters was like, I watched all the Friday the 13th movies. I'm not afraid of anything. And I don't know why. Like, I was probably too old to be watching that show, and it really stuck with me. And I'm like, that's how you do it. That's how I'm going to do it. 
And so, so I literally went to, I went to the blockbuster on El Dorado in McKinney and rented like the first five and, uh, got through them. And like, I, I you know, just something clicks that like, this isn't real and this can be fun. Um, it's, yeah. it doesn't have to haunt you. Um, and I think maybe even seeing the, like, what are, what are truly great effects, but there's still a little bit of a, a falseness to them that it's, mm-hmm. it's not truly like I'm seeing somebody's, you know, get a arrow through the throat. It was, it, yeah. it added a layer, maybe it's just a, and maybe that's just what movies are in general. It added a layer of comfort that, you know, I was able to overcome. So all that say, I, you know, again, as a 12 year old watched all of them and then just kind of regularly watched them, you know, it's like everybody has their kind of phases in life. It was like, okay, that's the phase of getting over, you know, fear. And then you're like a 14 year old who's horny. It's like, there's nudity in these things. Then it's, I'm an aggressive 16 year old and there's violence in these things. So it's, it's always been there for me. And now I'm 33 and maybe there isn't as much for me there, but there's a whole scope of just horror history that really interests me about all of these. And I think that's particularly what I like about Jason lives is it to me feels like a love letter to a lot of universal monster horror, classic horror in general. Um, It is very self-referential, which is why I always loved meta stuff, but like, what i love about scream it's what i love about cabin in the woods like something that can appreciate the things that came before and even acknowledge them but not necessarily have to make fun of them um so long way of saying jason uh lives is also probably my favorite of them um (laughs) i i i really really love jason uh freddy versus jason which i know is not like that's a pretty cold take but like i think that came i think it came out like right during my like height of friday the 13th love i saw it in theaters like my dad took me and i was probably underage like it just it it clicked all those boxes for me so anyways jason lives rocks i think it uh oh i'm okay you talk i'm gonna look up something real quick that our friend don denham said on twitter yeah, clusterfuck veteran Don Denham. Exactly. So you, um, you talk real quick. I'll, I'll give a brief synopsis of the yeah, movie for those that. who haven't seen it. Um, we are... Um, um, sorry, I got to text Vanessa the Wi-Fi password. Oh, um, you're good. You're good. The, uh, so basically, this is a Friday the 13th movie. Um, it's... What's different about it than the other ones is uh, it starts us in the zombie years of Jason. He is, uh, at the beginning of the movie, resurrected by Tommy Jarvis, who this completes the arc. Um, This movie essentially opens exactly like uh, Friday the 13th Part 5 did, except it's uh, the third Tommy Jarvis in the mix at this point. Yes. Um, He goes back to uh, to he just really needs to see Jason's rotting corpse to, to know he's dead wouldn't you know it he accidentally stabs him with a fence iron post and uh it's a rainy stormy night and jason gets electrocuted and comes back to life as a zombie jason um this movie is also notable because it is uh directed by a comedy director 
Um, I think you could say it is the only entry in the franchise that has any idea what it is. Um, the rest seem to have no clue what they are. Um, this one gets it really well. I mean, it's um, the it's and... the only one that's purposefully funny. Like, there's a lot of funny yes, things that happen yes, in Friday the yes. 13th movies, but this knows what it is going into. And I think that's the right. most power that you can have with this franchise. Yes. And that like Friday, the 13th part five is hilarious. Um, not on purpose. <laughs> one of the funnier movies I've ever seen, but it is, uh, <laughs> uh, wait, sorry. I texted Vanessa the wrong password. You're all good. So I did find Don's tweet. Um, so it's responding to a, what's a horror movie opinion that will have you, you know, uh, insert Rodel Dorado meme. Um, and he mm-hmm. said, the badass iconography of Jason Voorhees surpasses the quality of any of the films it's derived from. So I I, mm. I really liked that because, like, it's almost like the generation of kids that are really into, like, Pennywise from it. And, like, they, they've never really seen it. If they have, like, they don't know it. They're just like, that's a spooky dude. Um, people calling Child's Play movies Chucky movies, you know, like there's this iconography of Jason. And while I do slightly agree that maybe he's never as scary at like probably the scariest Friday the 13th is the one he's not in the one with his mom, you know, like he is a hulking figure, but maybe not as scary. And, And there are certainly scary ones, but what I think Jason lives really captures is the icon of Jason Voorhees. You're coming off yes. of uh, yes. you're coming off a new beginning, and which didn't have him, and people were so upset about it. And so this is, for better or worse, the studio saying, "You want Jason? Here you go. We're waking him up yeah. in the first five minutes. You're going to see him. He's not really lurking in the shadows. Like he, you know, he literally is. He is unmasked before he gets a mask. Like we see mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. aspect of him. So." This is them taking the pop culture icon that is Jason, for better or worse. Like, again, they're scarier Friday the 13th movies, but this gets the memo more so than anything that comes after it. Um, And I think this is both a a turning point for the franchise, maybe in not such a good way, but in a fun way, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, I, I think so. And I think it, like, it very much needed to happen because this was a point in the franchise and don't get me wrong. Like you were talking about getting over your fear of these movies at age 12. Um, I was, I, I still remember around that age, middle school age, flipping channels late at night, probably between Disney's the Jersey. I did watch a lot of late night Disney channel. Um, and, uh, the spike TV Friday, the 13th marathons. And I remember like, watching them alone at like 2 a.m. and you know kind of looking out the window seeing the street light you know like getting a little bit creeped out wondering what i would do if i just saw jason walk into that street light you know like what how would i respond to that and that's how i scare myself at night um how scary would it be if this happened i know it won't but if it did how scary would it be but uh i i think like it it if you watch these chronologically, we had really moved past scary. Yeah. Um, I I don't think three is not scary at all. It's silly. 
Um, I'd say it's for... it's a precursor to this. I mean, it's it's gimmicky. Absolutely. You know, it's got the whole 3D aspect. Um, it's got characters that are meant to be goofy, not necessarily, mm-hmm. like, scared or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, like, 3 is the second most madcap one, for sure, after this one. Um, but it's really not since, like, Part 2 that they've gone for serious scares, and they haven't really reconciled that with their premise, I feel yeah. like. And I think Jason is the icon in this movie, just like you were saying. And that's what got me into Friday the 13th. Like, I still remember it clear as day. I couldn't have been more than six or seven. I was in a party city around Halloween and they had this decoration that was uh, a Jason goes to hell part nine, Jason coming out of a tombstone. And I just saw the hockey mask and the machete. And I was just like, Oh my God, I love that guy. Oh my God. That's my fucking dude. I like the hockey mask dude. And I wanted to see his movies because of that moment. And you know, if you ask me what does Jason look like, I'd say, well, officially he looks like, you know, the Freddy versus Jason Jason is kind of the one yeah. that's released. But, like, if you ask me as a fan what does he look like, I'd say, excluding the yellow gloves and the tool belt, he looks like part six Jason. Yeah. You know, like, that's and, that's the look, and, right? And so that, that you know, again, I've got a string of kind of questions and topics that, you know, I want to discuss. And obviously, I think, Jason design is always an interesting aspect in any of these movies because he does look so different in all these movies. Uh, but I agree that the gloves and the tool belt do throw it off a bit, but he's got his green shirt. He's got, he's zombie Jason. So he's, you know, kind of moldy and everything. He's not yeah, as, yeah. you know, kind of clean cut as he is in the prior movies, but it's so funny. Like this is the sixth movie, you know, like, how, how how is the icon we know is Jason Voorhees? How are we referencing the sixth movie in this? I mean, hell, the guy didn't even get his mask until three. So, like, it's it took him a while to figure out the thing. Exactly, right? like, it exactly. Took him a while. So, yeah. so whereas, like, look, I'm not super high on seven. Eight is almost unwatchable. It's so boring at times. <laughs> Nine, I think, is super slapstick, and Jason X is obviously the worst made of them. But like, I really could watch that like two times a year and still crack yeah, up. Jason at X it. has personality for sure. But again, those are the movies that I relate to the icon of Jason, and that's almost unfair to the legit, you know, scary movies that are the precursors to it. Because I think four, like you mentioning four, has previously been your favorite. I think that's it's the best like at making Jason the icon scary, even if it's not the scariest, even if it's not him as the icon, it's the, it's the greatest kind of mixture of the best of all worlds there. It's, it's the only time we have hockey mask Jason with like a half-assed effort at taking it seriously. You still have Crispin Glover hamming it up, you know, but like the, the ending of part four is meant to be scary. Like there's some, there's some comical moments, but like, and I remember it, like, it scared me. It's, like, that particular ending, like, haunted me in those Spike TV late night marathons. Yeah. Like, it was it was a lot for me. I, I was basically the same kid as you, like, 
fascinated by monsters scared of horror you know like yeah. it was it was i had a very similar experience with this stuff as a kid well and i think i i, I really am attracted to pop culture icons in general and so again the universal monsters like the design of you know the 30s um 20s uh frankenstein is like that's how we all know him like bell yeah. bell lugosi's dracula that is how we all know him like those icons were set and then i kind of feel you don't get that again until the 80s with freddy krueger jason Voorhees, and michael myers and i'm not totally sure we've gotten something since then that has become so stamped as this is a modern monster this is what he looks like. This is his attributes. And I just think that's really interesting. And like, I, I'm, I'm very, I mean, maybe, maybe Ghostface and Scream is a close contender to a bit more modern, but like, yeah. we just don't get things like this anymore. And so, no way. and like, you know, in a world where we, we have had what, 12 Friday the 13th movies, a million fucking Michael Myers movies. I understand every urge to say stop making these, but at the same time, these are our Draculas and our Frankenstein's. Like yes. you can make these for the rest of time and I I don't care. Yes. I I there are ways I would like to see it be done in the future. Um, but ultimately if you got a guy in a hockey mask killing people in creative ways, you're you're part of a um, a legacy. And I, and again, I think that legacy kind of starts with Jason lives. Well, yeah, I mean, like, it's such an evergreen premise that, like, I once heard someone say on a podcast that, like, they didn't even have to change the movie until part eight. Like, yeah. they just made the same movie seven times and totally got away with it. Yeah. You know, like, and that's why I'm like, make as many as you want. There's nothing to ruin. It's not like, like, the, 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 this franchise does not take itself seriously the continuity your mileage varies movie to movie you know like uh they all seem to agree that jason got a chunk of his mass taken out at part three and that's uh -huh. like the only yeah. thing that has consistent I mean, continuity like I, this movie like maybe takes place in like the 90s technically because of the time jump we have from four you know like it's yeah none of it makes sense but again it doesn't really have to and maybe when and part of this is just modern movie viewing experiences but we pick it every little thing at movies now that i don't think you could really get away with some of it these days but i don't know it's it's schlock it's supposed to be fun and you're supposed to see the scenes a little bit that's what makes it fun like i mean even in this like i like this jason design but it's a guy in a rubber mask even more so than you know kind of we have had with the character but I love that. I, I love the rubberiness of it. I love that. I, one thing I picked up this watch that I hadn't previously, the reason he has the gloves is because that Tommy wore the gloves to pull the spike out of it. Like, it didn't, like, I just thought he, like, picked ah. up those gloves somewhere. But, yeah, no, those were Tommy's gloves earlier. So, I like, catch that. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's little things like that. But, again, that even that's possibly giving a little too much credit. Um but one thing you did mention, though, um, is just that, you know, they've repeated the same movie seven times. I will say one of the things I like about Six that um, I think is different from the ones that came before it is it, it kicks off with the 
entice like the the starting point and it just never stops like we don't have to yeah. spend 45 minutes getting to know campers with somebody creeping in the dark you know it's jason is alive and he is hunting you down and there's one very crazy person saying he's alive he's alive <laughs> no one's gonna listen to that person i think it's a unique yeah. dynamic that it Again, it it was it's what was needed for the franchise. That alongside, again, I think the comedy, you know, is that it's a fun choice to make. Um, but I, again, I, I think a lot of credit does have to be given to the director there for choosing. Again, maybe and maybe it was a studio mandate. I don't know, but hey, here's Jason. You know who this is. Let's not beat around the bush. Let's just start having fun. Yeah, yeah. It, it it's I've said a lot. I think on the podcast that like as as someone who's I think I've gone through most of the major horror franchises now. I, I haven't hit like the puppet masters, you know, like, but I think I've done, I guess the only big one I haven't done is child's play probably, but Dude, what I guess to say, like, I, I think I personally of the ones, I think you might like it more than you think. It's it kind of has yeah. some highs and lows. The new show is actually pretty good. Um, so and here, it's, yeah. it's also uniquely, um, the kind of creator Don Mancini is gay. So there's a lot of like gay subtext throughout it that I think mm -hmm. is interesting for, you know, the, for something born of the eighties. Um, anyways, yeah, I, yeah. I think you would enjoy a watch through. Um, but again, you know, it's easier to marathon these things when you're in your teens or your twenties, you know, <laughs> Like I, they start to blend. Yeah, they start to blend. I uh, I do feel for Craig because again we're telling him to watch these movies, and I I don't know how many thirty three year olds would really like a Friday the Thirteenth movie if they were forced into it for the first time. Then, but he's he's a he's a good sport. It's a shame he's dead. I think, you know, I think with these, Greg probably has a similar experience to like what you have at your daughter's birthday party, where it's like. It's cool that she's having so much fun. <laughs> yeah, I think, that's valid. I think that's how Greg views me with with his relationship with some of these. Um. Yeah, I, I love that. I love I love that for him. Yes. <laughs> thank, thank, um, thank you, Papa Greg. May you rest in peace. <laughs> yeah, I'll miss him. I'll miss him. <laughs> um, you you talking about the Universal monsters got me thinking. Um. There's two Friday the 13th movies uh, where the director wanted Jason to be like Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's this one and Jason, or sorry, this one and uh, Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. Um, very different takes on the Frankenstein monster. This one was definitely more of like, a, it's alive, you yeah. know, like, and um and freddy versus jason that's why they like had so much of like his eye visible and they wanted him to be kind of a sympathetic misunderstood monster yeah um, and i think i think which, which take do you prefer i mean look if you are referencing frankenstein like the source material says you need to understand that it's a misunderstood monster so like that yeah. so in that sense freddy versus jason is a better um representation of that Frankenstein's monster because again a mad scientist has brought him back to life for his own purposes that being said I think this actually kind of works like an amalgamation of a lot of the different monsters so like mm -hmm. yes he is Frankenstein because he gets brought back to life but he doesn't have that much of a sympathetic bone he's 
very carnal. He's still, he's Dracula. He's trying to take people out. But he's also uh, the mummy. He's searching for revenge from the person that, you know, got him in the past or that fucked with his tomb, you know? So he, like, his one goal is to kill Tommy Jarvis. And Jason never really has a goal like that. Like, maybe, I mean, literally the second movie, he kills the person who killed his mom in the first five minutes. Like, He's not yeah. a, he's not a person typically motivated by those types of things. So I think it's a choice to make that here. And again, I I think there's some you know mummy uh, kind of comparisons there. You know, you, the thou who disrupted my tomb is gonna suffer the curse of the mummy kind of thing. Ooh, ooh! I like almost have goosebumps. Right now. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm feeling well, that. I'm I'll, feeling that. Again, the Universal Monster thing is my big takeaway, at least from this viewing. Um, another aspect, and this is something we can go into a little bit more detail here in a second, but it's a largely bloodless movie. Um, yeah. Which, you know... PAA raped my movie. That's the yeah. the director on Crystal Lake Memories. Exactly. <laughs> and I think there's an uncut version out there somewhere. It wasn't the version that I think I've been able to see. Um but, again, the MPA may have done that, but I think it kind of adds to that universal monster aspect where, yes, there is a sex scene in this movie, but there's no nudity. Yes, there's some heads crushed, but you don't really see anything. I kind of think a 10-year-old could watch this in, a, you know, in an open home that is not too judgmental. The- oh, I would, I would let... Well, especially now. So, yeah. like, like I, I, I asked a friend who's a little bit older than me, like, was Nightmare on Elm Street scary in 1984 whenever it came out? And he was like, yes, that was scary. Like, that was a scary movie that fucked with me. And, like, I can't imagine a kid in 2023 being very scared of a Nightmare on Elm Street. Absolutely. Like, they were just more desensitized it doesn't even look like something that's from their world you know like so i don't think it would scare them very much well and again comparatively the you know mummy dracula all these universal monsters if you watch them now like and you are paying attention there's a energy to it that's scary but there isn't really blood a lot of the deaths are kind of off screen a little bit Hell, in the 90s, there was a fascination with the Universal Monster so much they were popping up in Adam or Alvin and the Chipmunks movies. Like, you know, these horror icons that terrified people to the point of passing out in theaters, you know, 60, 70 years later are in cartoons. So (laughs) if you saw like paw patrol do a crossover with jason and freddy like that's essentially what that is i never thought about that but that's essentially what that is and so i do think that again the npa fucked with this movie so it's not as gory and gore is an absolute aspect to these movies that we all enjoy but i kind of it kind of works with this whole universal monster thing that i was kind of viewing it through this lens to the point that I actually went and filmed part of the movie in black and white, and it works really well. Like the that opening uh, scene where lightning is striking uh, and bringing Jason back to life, it looks really good in black and white. Oh, I'll bet it does. There's a lot of reds in this movie, like bright reds, which look really good in black and white as well. So again, 
and I know a lot of this is my perspective putting it on the filmmaker, but there just seems to be this comparison that shapes it into a comfort of a watch um, that I really appreciated. Um, so again, would I ever tell anyone to go watch the AMC version of a Friday the 13th movie where all the nudity and gore is cut out? No, but this one kind of weirdly works without it. I still, I think. Yeah, no, I think so. And it's cause like, again, it's not supposed to be scary uh the really i feel like the uh the appeal of this movie isn't the gore and really friday the 13th other than the first one is not a very gory franchise they were on a very short leash yeah. by the mpa yeah. after after they let it slide you know like i do think the appeal is really just kind of the aura of jason yeah. um and i but i did want to get into something i thought was really smart that the director did um so you know when Jason kills the guy and his uh, American Express card drifts out in the in the water. Yeah. So the first time I saw it, I see and it holds on it for a weird amount of time, and I went, "Never leave the house without it." Uh. Um, the director held on that, knowing an audience member would say, "Never leave the house without it." I love that. And he said at every screening he ever went to, it happened and it got a laugh. Um and like I've never I don't know of any other like intentional audience participation gags. Like it relied yeah. on an audience member saying the punchline. Like that's really cool. I mean truly it you know in the right crowd it can be a rocky horror experience. You know, you want yes. the crowd involved in this one. And I'm not sure you want that in all of the Friday the 13th movies. Some of those movies do depend on silence and watching and waiting, but I think you can have a bit of a rowdy crowd watching this, and it's probably more oh, fun for it. This movie makes me rowdy. Yeah, like, yeah. You start hearing, like, those Alice Cooper custom tracks, and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, Jason, kill him! Like, well, you want to cheer him on. It's also, you know, obviously it's self-referential. It's got to be one of the first horror movies to kind of have a rock and roll soundtrack. Like, I know, yeah. I know, I don't know the timing, but I know Nightmare on Elm Street dabbled in that quite a bit. You know, I mean, MTV Freddy for a reason. Um, but like, I feel like they're really launching what would become a pretty popular era of horror movies, um, just pop culture wise. And, and whether it was yeah. intentional or not, they were just like, hey, all these comedies have kind of fun soundtracks why don't we throw alice cooper on here this would be a good time god i i think that song entered my top five favorite songs <laughs> on this watch i like i've been i've been listening to it on loop on my drives to work this week like um i knew i loved it but i was like okay i'm pretty sure my favorite song is africa by toto but this is like one a i, I mean... love I love Alice Cooper's He's Back song in this movie. Well, and it's just, it's a, again, talking about iconography, it's, you know, Be My Frankenstein. It's a horror, it's a horror movie guy that isn't that scary. It's it's not Marilyn Manson. It's not, it's not even Ozzy biting heads off bats. It's comfortable horror. It's horror, it's campy horror. That's what Alice Cooper is. And it's kind of, I, again, I wasn't alive in the 80s, but I assume that's kind of what he was back then, too. Um, and I think the director for this movie directed that music video. So, like, it's 
Like, there's just so many fun 80s elements to it that, again, I think define its generation. You know, I, I really ascribe to the theory that um, Jason is, like, essentially the hippie's anxiety about Ronald Reagan. You know, like, Jason is a Reagan avatar. Yeah. All these people yeah. who, like, were all like, let's try acid and smoke weed and have sex all the time, and then someone comes killing all the people who are doing that. And you're like, why would young people like this? And it's like, well, cause they feel like that's what's happening to them in culture right now. Yeah. And um, I okay. think that this movie is like, it's just the most obvious because you have like horror and heavy metal. Greg and I were talking about this. I forget why these two things that go together so well because they were considered of the devil at the time, yeah. you know, like, and this is, I feel like this is where you most see this, this franchise as sort of a rallying cry against what's happening with Margaret Thatcher, you yeah. know, like a, a rallying cry against uh, the return of conservative values to, to mainstream pop culture in America. And it, it just, this is the most punk rock of all of them. Oh, like, I mean, it's so fucking cool. you're in the heat of satanic panic and you say we're bringing Jason back from the dead out of hell. Like, you know, <laughs> what's more counterculture than that? You know, and again, it was popular, yeah. although I think ironically, this is like one of the lowest grossing uh, Friday the 13th movies. But, you know, but, but, hey, with the slasher, though, with a slasher, when you look at the gross you don't blame the movie, you blame the movie before it. Exactly. Um, because that, that is what determines how many people went back to see it. Um, and so, believe me, the I remember looking at Nightmare on Elm Street and what made the most money some of the times, and it was like, yeah, 4 made a ton of money because Dream Warriors was awesome. Exactly. Not part 4 is awesome. Exactly. Dream Warriors ruled, right? Like. <laughs> well, and I just, anyway. I think that, you know, I love this kind of Tommy Jarvis arc. Like, I think, yes. I think he's like, it's something that I think like the Scream movies did really well, almost to a fault, but they found their core characters and they stuck with them. And so many of these franchises are afraid of that. Even, you know, like um, Nightmare on Elm Street, like ditches Nancy after the second one, brings her back for the third and then kills her, you know, like, so this is one of the first like core characters we get in the slasher series that isn't Laurie mm -hmm. Strode. And again, she was only in two of them. Um, but man, do I hate the, the middle of this trilogy? <laughs> like <laughs> you don't like part five. No, it's like, God, my, uh, my top three in this, I don't know in what order, but my top three, I decided are the Jarvis arc. It's, uh, Oh, I, I, I get like that. five is, I, I am in love with part five, not for all the wrong reasons. Of course. I, I hope that's extremely obvious yes. to anyone, but like, dude, I, that, if you ask me, like if I could only watch one Friday the 13th for the rest of my life, it might be part five. Cause I find it the most rewatchable. Like, <laughs> That's, that so is, that fun. is wild to me, but I do, I get it. I mean, again, there are a lot of funny aspects to it, but I mean, and maybe it's just like at the heart of it. I hate that it's a Jason doppelganger. That seems so fucking cheap to me, but like, it's awful. It's so bad. It's the worst decision in the fucking franchise. And it, 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 but it resulted in this, you know, if you have to kill Jason, 
then you do have to bring him back. And this forced their hand on it. So I, I do appreciate that, you know? Um, but again, yeah, like Greg I refers to this one as uh, Friday, the 13th part six, Jason's in this one for everyone who was disappointed by part five. And that's, I mean, technically I think it's called Jason lives Friday the 13th part six. Like I think Jason oh, lives is, really? is the yeah. actual, like they it, wanted you to know, like we're so sorry about last time. It's, it's at least the, the biggest words on movie. the poster, you know, like yeah. it's, and again, that even harkens back to, you know, some hammer horror, like Dracula lives the terror of Dracula, the bride of Frankenstein. It's like, this is almost mm-hmm. a, this is a pitch more than a title. It's, it's a message. It is. Hey guys, Jason's back. Please come see this yeah. movie. Um, yeah. And again, like, you know, I, I'm sure you can't spend too much time talking about actors in a Friday the 13th movie. Um, but like, I they didn't spend too much time casting them. I'll valid. Yeah. Uh, like I love Corey Feldman in the first one. I would have mm-hmm. loved to see a teenage Corey Feldman in one of these. I think he could have killed it. I understand timing wise, but like to see where that kid wound up, like in the eighties, like he would have been mm-hmm. so good. He, he would have saved five, I think for, for me, like again, oh, yeah. you know, a, oh, yeah. a lost boys age. Corey Feldman could have killed that, but I, but I do because I again I think the Tommy Jarvis in the fifth one is just the biggest fucking like wet blanket in the world, uh, and he still is a wet blanket in Jason Lives, but to comedic effect, and yeah, and 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 also like it's it is him telling everyone Jason is alive. It's not. I'm being gaslit. It's not, I'm confused. It's like, <laughs> guys, I fucked up. I brought Jason back. Please. We have to go save people. And everyone is working so hard not to <laughs> let him save people. Um, but so again, all that to say, I think, I think Tommy Jarvis is pretty good in this. Um, uh, I want to say the actor came back for one of those fan films. Um, the never hike alone movies. Uh, I think he came back for one of those, which is cool. Um, but like if I'm in, I think this is, uh, we don't have to end right now, but I, uh, an ending point I want to talk about is what do you want from a future Friday the 13th movie? Ooh. Like, again, I know they're like, they're starting to work out some of the rights issues, but for me, I want another Tommy Jarvis movie, but who do you cast in that? Is it this guy? Is it Feldman? Feldman maybe doesn't have the rocks to pull it off these days. I don't know, but I I love the Tommy Jarvis character as much as I love Freddy versus Jason. Tommy should have been in that movie. Alice from uh, I think it's Alice from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street probably should have been in that movie. Like that's when you could have had some true crossover. That's... But uh, again, I just I. I think Tommy Jarvis is one of the most interesting characters in this franchise. And it is a shame we didn't get three movies with Corey Feldman. Yeah. And you know, I've always wondered uh, what this franchise would look like if they didn't get cold feet on Tommy, Tommy Jarvis getting the Jason germ. Um, I, I don't think it was the right direction, but I, uh, I'd be, I'd just be interested to see another timeline, you know, like oh, where, where absolutely. they went with that well, idea. Well, I actually, I have that as a question, actually, because um, 
Dolphins in a handful of these franchises. Um, uh, not Lori, Lori Strode's daughter in Halloween 4, you know, kills her stepmother and is supposed to be cursed mm-hmm. by Michael Myers. And then they just get rid of that the next movie. Um, the latest Scream movie, Scream 5, kind of led like, oh, the daughter of Billy Loomis could possibly be the next one. And then they're like, nah, she's a, she's a good killer. Like, I get like the character arcs for those, but would all those be more interesting if they let someone take that over? Um, and then Halloween Ends came out and Corey Cunningham did that and I fucking hated it. So like, <laughs> it probably is best to just let them... <laughs> I think, you know, I think, uh, I think both part five and Jason goes to hell prove that for some reason it's gotta be Jason. He's gotta be at crystal Lake and he's gotta be in a hockey mask. And if you try to put Jason's spirit on someone else or you like anything other than it was Jason doing the thing we love seeing Jason do, I don't think audiences would take it. Yeah. I think even if they did a way better job with part five and had Corey Feldman in an ideal situation and still tried to go with Jason Voorhees is canonically dead, but we're continuing the franchise with Tommy Jarvis, bro. I think, I think they would have still gone back to Jason in this movie, even (laughs) if part five was really well made. I think audiences demanded it. It's like I said, like, not only did they get away with making the same movie seven times, but they like they made money. You know, yeah. like the audiences wanted to see this shit. Well, like, and again, they didn't like when you fucked with it. And he's a, he's a pop culture icon. It's marketable. It's easy to sell. More people yeah. are gonna rewatch Dracula than Daughter of Dracula. You know, like you can mm-hmm. try and you know make that change. And as a filmmaker, I understand the urge to try and make that change. But yeah, audiences aren't gonna react well. And that's not that's not like oh you know maybe now a new audience as well. A lot of people fucking hated Halloween ends. So like I think it's clear because uh, I you know they're shopping around the Halloween rights again, and pe- some people are like go the anthology route like Halloween three, which I think would be super cool, but I don't think your audience is going to show up for it. Halloween's already a bad SEO term in general, like for that movie franchise. You're competing with literally. Yeah every other Halloween ad in the world. So, you know, it, I I think ultimately it would have been cool to see, but yeah, it's the right decision to keep these characters, even if they're limping along in the role. Yeah. It's a damn shame that this didn't inject more lifeblood into the franchise. Cause this was a really good return to form after they tried to reinvent the wheel. Like this was just, it's like you said, it's like, from the start it's just jason killing people the whole time we got a little bit of tommy in jail and the sheriff's daughter a little tiny baby bit but it's mostly just jason mowing down motherfuckers for 90 minutes well absolutely and i think that there's good ideas in future outings the whole jason versus carrie thing obviously a cash grab but You've already brought Jason back from the dead. Why not throw some other supernatural aspects to it? I can dig that. It's just is kind of yeah. a weird, boring movie that is nowhere near as fun or funny as the previous one. Jason Goes to Manhattan. Literally, the posters of Jason, like, with an I Love New York shirt on, like, that's funny. That's a good idea. 
but he doesn't go to New York. He goes to Vancouver and he sits on a boat for most of it. Like they have the fun premise and then they weren't willing to give whoever was taking those movies the actual control to do it. Because with this, they did. He said, I want to make a funny Jason movie and it worked. Like, and so not letting them lean into that in future movies, I think really hindered it. And, And it's something that I think future child's play movies actually do pretty well because Chucky becomes funny at a certain point and they may try and rein him in a little bit, but he's known as a funny character. Once that cat's out of the bag, it's really hard to pull him back. And I think Jason is a brute of a force and that can only take you so far. So you have to have something else interesting happening um, or else it does get, you know, a little stale. Well, yeah, I mean, like, there's no story whatsoever to him mowing down those paintballers. Like, you know, like, it's just some people he found in the woods, you know? Like, and there's several segments like that in this movie where it's just like, hey, meet these people. Okay, say goodbye to these yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> so so I, I, did, I did look up a little bit. I guess um, there were three kills after it was, that were done in reshoots after it was filmed. One of them was the groundskeeper. He wasn't, he didn't originally die. And then the other was the people who had just gotten engaged, um, who were like having the picnic. They both got like, those were studio reshoots, um, which I think is hilarious that they're like, we need, you know, more people killed. Um, but yeah, it, I don't need to know where those people were. The paintballers. Yes. It's goofy. Uh, truly. It feels like a police Academy segment, you know, in yeah. there. Um, but even that, um, like, have you, I believe a couple weeks ago, you said you were going to watch The Town of Dreaded Sundown. Have you watched that yet? I haven't gotten around to it yet. Okay. There's some similar vibes here. Um, I, I, I watched it for the first time this year, and I was surprised at how comedic it was, especially given the context. Um, but so all of the paintball stuff felt pretty similar to that. The cop stuff in this felt kind of like, Again, police academy-esque, like, goofy cops not able to, you know, do the job kind of thing. And again, I think it works. But I think it also works because he was a comedic director and came into it. I think that's why yeah. the comedy works for Sam Raimi and Evil Dead, too. Because he he knew comedy and he that's what he originally wanted to do. So it, somebody just saying, let's make a funny Jason movie and not being able to follow through on it. You know, that's the risk you take. Yeah. Well, man, we're uh, we're getting into t- time to wind down the cast. Absolutely. I, you know what I just realized? I didn't even open my notes, man. Like, oh, I well, honestly, shit. like, bro, just riffing. I feel like I could do a whole nother like several hours with you. I just have to go to sleep, or I, I start having mental health problems. No, no, like, no. I totally understand it. Again, like, I think there's an interesting cast of characters here that I could go into detail on. I. I think, again, the kills are, you know, maybe a little bloodless, but there's still some fun ones. The soundtrack rocks. Like, there's so much you can talk about this movie. And, you know, I think that speaks to the legacy of the film itself, that Mm -hmm. 10 different podcasts out there could do a Jason Lives episode, and you're going to focus on different aspects each time. We we didn't even get into uh, this is the only one with kids at the camp, right? (sighs) Like, this is... We didn't even touch on some of the I, most interesting things about this movie. Okay. You know? <laughs> I, I do have one quick point there. Um, Absolutely. So there's a couple. I First of all, I love that the kids are in this. Um, it I think it adds a scary element. 
but there's almost there's also a comedic element there's in particular two boys that kind of keep having like commentary on what's happening do you kind of remember the kids i'm talking about yeah oh dude hilarious hilarious yeah like i i i um this is my well no nah, i'm not gonna say this part it's my favorite line but one of them says my favorite line i i, I got an idea yeah, i got an idea um, of what it is yeah what i really loved about that is it reminded me of wet hot american summer where like <laughs> the kids are almost more mature than the adults at certain points so they have these like snide remarks like Oh God, are we going to have to deal with this all weekend? Blah, 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 blah. And I, it led me to just continue to romanticize this idea. I would just love a wet, hot American sequel. <laughs> That's a horror movie. <laughs> like, Oh my God. Because I think there's elements from Jason lives that kind of mimic it. And truly, I think Jason lives and wet, hot American summer could make a pretty damn good double feature. Um, it's kind of the same brand of humor. It honestly. is. It is. And like, just again, having a bunch of 50 year olds who are playing 18 year olds getting mowed down by a serial killer could be extremely funny. I'd watch the living shit out of that. Absolutely. So, uh, if, uh, I forget who directed that, but if any, if anybody involved in, uh, what on American summer is listening, take the note and run with it, please. Please, just give me more wet hot content. I'm still waiting for uh, the the Netflix miniseries. McKinley has something at eleven because yeah. you, you left me hanging on what that is. <laughs> we'll we'll get it. We'll get it. If if wet hot American summer has taught you anything, it's patience. You know they're going to be in their eighties doing it. Dude, that's been one of my favorite movies since I saw it in high school. And I've probably seen that movie more than any other movie. That's probably the movie I've watched most of my life. Never in a million years did I think we were going to get two seasons of a TV no. show about it. Like, it's probably Christ. the reason Netflix is out of money at this point. <laughs> <laughs> this thing that like no one except like dudes like us was asking for. Yeah, I didn't even think to ask for it. I wasn't like waiting for yeah. the next installment well, of and, Wet Hot American And if Summer, I was, you know? I certainly like, wasn't asking for an eight episode season, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. The best gift of my life. Um, All right. So gimmick of the week. Gimmick of the week is favorite kill. This is the origin of the gimmick of the week. Our first gimmick of the week. Absolutely. Dylan, what is your favorite kill in this movie? Okay. I have one, but it's a, it's the easy one. um, And it doesn't really count, but Jason's death by propeller I think is a lot of fun. I think we didn't talk about her, but I think, um, and again, I can't even remember her name, but I think the female lead in this is a great final girl. I think she and Tommy's chemistry is really good. Um, she never feels like a damsel in distress. In fact, she literally puts herself in danger to save him. Um, so I think all of that, and again, just she literally gets Jason in the neck with a propeller. That's so cool. And like, uh, you know, again, I know the MPA you know restricted a lot of what they could do but it's like is that bloody water or muddy water i don't know so yeah. it's, it seems like it's yeah. a little way around it. but again we know he didn't die so that's a little bit of a um a loose one there and it's a basic so my i think my favorite one and it's a basic one is the um the american express guy the vw guy just getting stabbed with the stake that was literally driven through jason's heart 
And the kill's fine, but it's the throwing over the shoulder that just, I love it. <laughs> it's, it's quick. It's, you know, there are, there are longer gestating kills in this. Um, I, again, we talking about the paintball scene. We haven't even talked about the smiley face. Like, I love that. But this is the one that, like, again, I, when I think of this one, I think of Jason flinging dead people over his shoulder so he can get to the next one. It's yard work for him. So that's my favorite kill. How about yourself, Denny? <laughs> Um, mine, mine is a little bit of an interpretation, but I'm going to count it. Um, my favorite kill is, uh, the RV. Um, cause it, yes. <laughs> it plays, it plays to me like Jason kills the RV. Oh is yeah. the way the, is the way it, like the RV is one of his victims. <laughs> and you know, I, I don't know what the budget on this was. I have to assume there were limitations. I know that there were gorier kills. Um, you know, there were all these intricate things. Why would you spend the money blowing up the RV? I don't know, but I love that you did. I mean, it's it's a Jason movie doesn't need an exploding RV, but I love that you did. My sentiments exactly, my brother. My sentiments exactly. Um Let's get to favorite line. There is yes. a lot to choose from. There a is. A lot to choose from in this movie. There is. So, um, I'm really tied. I The most basic one, so I'll put it as my runner-up, but the harbinger, gravedigger old man turning to the camera and saying some people might have a strange idea of entertainment. I, I think yep. it's... I think it sums up the movie. It sums up the franchise. It sums up what their their intent, and I love that. Uh, but it it does seem a little basic. So my favorite line is the two, the two boys um, after like all <laughs> Jason's just mowing down counselors, and he hasn't killed any children. Surprisingly, I guess Jason's uh, Jason likes kids, and uh, <laughs> one kid turns to another and goes, "So what were you going to be when you grow up?" <laughs> Yep. <laughs> I just love that. It's such a it's a funny moment. Again, these kids are more brilliant than they should be. There's a there's a visual gag earlier of a girl falling asleep um with uh oh what is his name? Uh I wrote it down. It's a French philosopher's book. Um like it's a literally a 10-year-old girl falling asleep with a French philosophy book on her chest. Like they, there's so <laughs> many they, – they empower these kids in a really unique way. So, yeah, again, long way of saying that. I think that was my favorite line. How about yourself? You know, I think I'm going to go with that as well. Um, I also had your runner-up written down. I'm going to give a few more runner-ups for the sake of diversity, but I think I'm going to go with, so what were you going to be when you grew up? Um <laughs> I'll go with uh, the the cut of does he think I'm a fart head followed by a bunch of kids saying yes, which I thought uh, I forgot there's it was a the ton movie. It made of, me there, laugh. There's a ton of those just like <clears throat> cut sound reactions that really work well. Yeah, um, I I loved the way it kind of played with the audience. There were there were a few other nods I made note of. Um, when the little kid brings in the bloody machete and she says it's the counselor says it's a prank and why would someone do this and she goes because grown-ups think it's funny to be scared never mind you know like <laughs> the audience yeah. is like laughing at this scary movie and uh the gravedigger the gravedigger had two which one did you say 
I said um, some people have a mighty strange idea of entertainment. Yeah. Oh, what he says right before that is uh, uh, why'd they have to go and dig up Jason? Which is like, why'd they bring Jason back? You yeah, know, yeah. like it's so it's so smart. Some people got a strange idea of entertainment. Um, he he says something else. I can't find it in my notes. I'm not. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, anyway, um, I need to raise my score of this movie. Um, what is I, your criteria for this score, uh, for this movie? What, what, what's your scoring? Yeah, so I am on Letterboxd, and it's very chaotic. Um, I think similarly to you, I tend to rate them within the movie they're kind of trying to be, whether that's genre or their intentions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a four-star Friday the 13th movie. Um, I, I think it checks all the boxes. It gives me the Jason in the mask. It gives me the camp. It gives me, you know, crystal Lake. Um, then it gives me a lot of things that I didn't know I wanted, like the comedy aspect. Um, it does, there's some horror in the, in the environment. Um, it's definitely not the scariest. Um, but again, ultimately it's, it's high up on my Friday the 13th list. So I'm going with a four. Out of yeah, five. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Mine's pretty similar. Um, I'm, I'm actually raising my, my Friday. Friday the 13th is my favorite franchise, but most of my scores are really low for it to like really low. And I, I think when I was watching them, I was really taking movies seriously, you know, like when I was yeah. first entering them. Yeah. Um, but I'm looking at, I had this at a 28, right? Um, you know, but I've got, what do I have here? Uh, and 28's failing, and that, that, that just shouldn't be true. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Jason movies are on a scale all their own, so, you know. Yeah. I bumped it up. I, I've got Scream 3 at a 37, oh. so this is a 38. Yeah, um, I think that's valid. I mean... Don't get me wrong. I actually really like Scream Three. I think it's maybe. I the, do too. Yeah. It's maybe the best live action Scooby Doo movie, and I know how you feel about the other <laughs> one. Um, but no, I, I think that uh, I think that's fair because I think Scream Three doesn't happen without Jason Lives either. Good point. I'm I mean, not sure Scream I, happens without Jason Lives. I also don't think Scream happens without New Nightmare by Wes Craven. But you know, that's a whole other podcast new nightmare was it was it was him cooking it was him warming up exactly it didn't come out perfect but he he had the right idea i i have the cold take of really not liking new nightmare but we'll 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 get into that on another podcast i'm sure we'll we'll bring you back there you there you go oh god you know what don't even show (laughs) greg uh nightmare on elm street he only gets to watch new nightmare and just question what is happening (laughs) just drop him in new nightmare with no context and let him figure it out or worse he gets freddy's (laughs) dead and then new nightmare you know through this podcast i've shown greg nightmare and dream warriors and i'm just now realizing how how fun it would be for him to watch the whole like because nightmare gets ridiculous and nightmare a a strength i think it has over friday the 13th is uh 
it figures out what it is a lot faster. Yeah, like it, it gets does. it gets what the audience likes about Freddy and the movies, and it leans into that a lot sooner than Friday the Thirteenth does. Absolutely, and it benefits from having Robert England, who is a charismatic guy and can goddamn can, thespian, and can literally talk. You know, like yeah, you know, Jason, you have to be a foreboding presence, but your movie depends a lot on the other people in it as well. So yeah, yup. All righty. Well, well, Dylan, what do you got going next week? What what can I in, listen in on with the ghost of what Greg is next week? I think uh, next week we'll be returning to movies for when you're lighting jack o' lanterns, and I believe it is. Uh, I think it's Skinnerbrink. Oh, um, okay, okay. Did fuck? I might be wrong. I might be wrong. I think it's Skinnerbrink. Um, I, I think October we kind of got screwed because there's not as many Fridays as we wanted. Oh, okay. Yeah, this That's is right. the 13th, then it's Skinnamarink, then it's uh, an audience vote for Halloween night. Yeah, okay. there's a, All right. it's a short spooky season. We're bummed about it. But yeah, next week it's my last pick uh, changed from Ringu because I saw this movie and I just I needed someone else I knew to see it so I could talk about it with them. So Greg's going to watch Skinnamarink. Greg's going to have some good input there. I think he'll, I think he'll appreciate what they're going for. Yeah. I hope so. Are you uh, are you in the this isn't a masterpiece or this is stupid camp? Well, I think I did. I think I I think you saw my wife's comment right about how literally the cartoons in that are in Pee Wee's Playhouse. Oh yes, yes. So it it, it is almost impossible to pull myself out of it because that's just my life. Weird sounds and listening to 1930s cartoons at random hours of the night. I didn't totally love it, and I I wanted to. I really did. Um, but it's such a, like, bold take on, I guess, found footage, and there's a lot of depth to it that you can have conversations about it for hours. And I think that's maybe what I like about it more. It's not something I think yeah, I'd necessarily yeah. watch again, but I'm really curious to hear other people's thoughts on it. And, you know, just the existential dread that comes with it. You know, if you start to pull back the curtain on it, how does any of this make sense? Where are these cameras coming from? Blah, blah, blah. You know, all those things. When you start to pick at it, there's a lot of interesting concepts. As a scary movie experience, I didn't, I think I just didn't buy in on it, and that's unfortunate. Um, but, Again, I'm very excited to hear what you guys have to say. I am too. I think it's going to be maybe the first movie since Silence of the Lambs that I don't rewatch for the podcast. Um, and it's because I am too scared. That movie scared me really bad. It still scares me when I wake up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Um, I am so scared of that movie. I don't think I'm going to watch it again just yeah. to talk about it. I, 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 might, I might watch some theory videos to get some 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 conversation fuel but uh i don't think i can sit through another skin of marink i am definitely what whatever weird thing in your brain makes you like that unlock a terror box you know like that happened to me for sure it, it i was i was part of whatever weird cluster sample size of society is terrified of that movie well and i think it's it's kind of a generational thing too it's a latchkey kid thing it's you know Mm -hmm. it's a analog um media generation you know i'm 
I much so. I don't know how it would play with Gen Z kids. You know, like it may not. They might yeah, just be like, "That's a good point." Um, so, like, I'll I'll be curious to hear not only your response, but then seeing kind of the comments back and forth on your guys' posts as well. It's going to be a controversial one. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll have some boosted post by everyone telling us how stupid we are well you know what that's exactly <laughs> there's no such thing as bad engagement right um but anyways thank you so much for having me i didn't well, really kill on. greg guys he is alive and well um and we'll be back again next week but i'm gonna get him one day and i will take his spot and until then <laughs> bro you are welcome anytime you want to just drop in let me know um this has been one of my favorite episodes and again like um if it weren't late at night i'd be like okay let's wrap this up but let's stay on this call for like another hour because i know you're talking all, friday the 13th with you you are all good i'm already like super behind on the movies i'm supposed to be watching you know this is a this is a hard working time period you know it we, uh, we, oh, don't I know it. Yeah, we, we bumped our Halloween party up a couple weeks this year just so we could kind of like have an easier back half. And that time crunch, man, it is sneaking up on us. So uh, we're excited but busy. So uh, get some sleep. Stay spooky, everybody. Um, uh, Denny, I think you got to give us a catchphrase. Isn't that correct? Yes. Yes. Uh, for... Dylan the very scary dairy berry. I'm Denny the Jason Lives Taylor. I don't know. I'm tired. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> this has <baby>. been <laughs> Movies for Win. We already told you when, but you know what we didn't tell you? What's my cage again? Oh, that reminds me. Last time I was supposed to be on this, we were gonna cover human centipede. I'm a policeman. See my badge? Just like him